Heavenly Father, we pray this morning for you to open us to your word and open your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. As I said earlier, it is great to be back here. I remember worshiping years ago at the barn, and I remember when you uh, came here, and I should congratulate you. This past November, I hear that you burned the mortgage. So congratulations again. Um, I have been serving the last uh, seven years uh, in the Middle East as the chaplain to the Archbishop of Jerusalem and the Middle East. And as of about three weeks ago, uh, I have finished that assignment. So I'm here for a time uh, as, I, as I pray and pray even more about what is going to happen next and where I might be going. But Father Joe asked me to be here this morning with you all, and it is my delight to be here on this day for many reasons. Again, it's good to be back with you. It's good to celebrate the Ascension today. Um, and today is actually uh, my ordination anniversary. I was ordained a deacon on this day in 2007 and a priest on this day in 2008. So there is a lot of significance for me this morning. But as we look at the ascension, do we really know what it is? If I ask you, can you explain what is the cross or the meaning of the cross, I think you can do that, can't you? Maybe. Uh, the resurrection, how about that? Can, can we explain that very well? Okay, I think we can do that. Pentecost, next week we celebrate Pentecost. I think we can explain what happened on that day, but... Really, what is the significance of the Ascension? Have any of you ever received an Ascension Day card? You receive Easter cards, Christmas cards. Have you ever? I've received only one in my lifetime. And that was because I preached at a church, and so the next year someone sent me an Ascension Day card. <laughs> it's, it's not a common feast in our church, but it is an important one. And so I want to look at that this morning. It is Jesus' rising up into heaven, being welcomed by God, and Jesus seating at the right hand of the Father. It is the completion of the incarnation when Jesus comes from heaven down to earth. Now Jesus is going up from the earth into heaven. It is also the completion of the passion of Jesus. We have his, his death, his resurrection and his ascension into glory, where he is seated finally on the throne, judging and controlling everything. For us, we celebrate the ascension at the 40th day after Easter. Pentecost is the 50th day after Easter. Um, and so we've shifted. Not many of you could make it, I think, to church on a Thursday evening. So we've shifted the Thursday evening ascension to this morning. And this is, again, an important, uh, an important feast in our church. The ascension is talked about in the Gospel of Mark at the end of it, in the Gospel of Luke and in John. There's no real mention of it in Matthew, although it's there if you look at it from another direction. And we'll come back to that in a moment. And it's at the beginning of Acts. 
I know that Father Joe has been preaching on Acts in these last few weeks, and so this morning we're going to use two passages, our Luke passage and our passage from Acts, and I will reference both of them because they were written by the same person. It's a continuation of the story. The ascension is the end of the Gospel of uh, Luke, and it's the beginning of Luke's writing in the Acts of the Apostles. So my first question, where did the ascension take place? Well, the ascension took place, according to Luke in his gospel, in the region of Bethany. In the Acts of the Apostles, it takes place in Jerusalem, in the garden, uh, in the Mount of Olives. And there is still today a, a, a stone structure there in the place where they think Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. And so if you go there today, you can visit it. When was the ascension? Well, there's some confusion even here. And this is why uh, all of these things are why it makes it for a difficult sermon this morning. If you're struggling, believe me, I'm struggling to give this sermon because it's a complicated one. When was the ascension? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, we have Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday. The women come to the tomb. Then Jesus finds himself on the road to Emmaus. In the evening, he's in the upper room with Thomas. And later on, maybe that evening, maybe the next day, Jesus ascends. In the Acts of the Apostles, we see there's a period of time where for about 40 days, Jesus is teaching and giving the disciples proofs about the resurrection and what he came to do. And so there's, again, some confusion as to even the date of the ascension. How was the ascension? Well, Jesus is taken up into heaven. He disappears in a cloud. Now, if you know your biblical theology, what do clouds represent? Where do we see clouds in the Bible? Anyone? Sorry? So there's a pillar of cloud. It's the presence of God in the wilderness as he's, God is leading his people through the wilderness. Where else do we see a cloud? Anyone? Maybe the Mount of Transfiguration? Maybe when the presence of God fills the temple? Uh, when Jesus was baptized, there might have been a cloud there. Uh, but the, the cloud is, is, I mean, there should have been on that day. There should have been. But the cloud is there, and it represents the presence of God. And so here you have Jesus not disappearing. We know where he went. He went into the presence of God and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We also see clouds on Mount Sinai. We see clouds in Revelation. So it's not like Jesus just disappeared, but he went into the cloud. He went fully into the presence of his Father. The next question is, why do we have the ascension? Why do we have the ascension? And I think to answer this question, I have three uh, things that Jesus says that he will do. First of all, he promises his disciples that in a few days they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
So we have the ascension so that we have Pentecost. These events are connected. They're not individual events. You cannot just take the cross and forget the resurrection. You cannot take the resurrection and forget the cross. You cannot take the cross and forget the ascension. You cannot have Pentecost without... You know, all of these things are connected. And Jesus says, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. If somebody asks you, how can we believe Jesus was raised from the dead? Well, it took proofs that even Jesus had to give to his disciples and the apostles to convince them. Part of it, we think, was simply eating, sharing meals with them. Jesus appearing to many of them over 40 days. And Jesus, at this time, taught the scriptures to them. I, I wish I could have been alive at that time. Or simply on the road to Emmaus, as Jesus is opening the scriptures, and they see, were not our hearts burning? As Jesus explains how all of scripture points to him. They point to him in different ways, through events like Passover. Jesus is the greater Passover. Or like the Day of Atonement. Jesus atones for our sins. Jesus could have used types to describe why he had to come. He's the second Adam. He's like a second Moses, a liberator of the people. He's like King David, a king for the people. Or Jesus could have said, remember when this happened in the Old Testament, and using a fancy word called Christophany. It's when we think Jesus, even though he had not been born, was present in the Old Testament. Some people think Jesus was one of the guests in Genesis chapter 18 who dined with Abraham. Who was the fiery man uh, in, in, in the furnace with Daniel? Maybe it was Jesus. What, who was in the burning bush? Maybe it was Jesus. Who's the person in the vision in Isaiah chapter 6? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Jesus could have used titles. He could have said, when Isaiah was writing about the suffering servant, he was writing about me. When Daniel is writing about the Son of Man, that was me. When God says, I am that I am, that was me. And Jesus goes on to use seven I am statements to describe who he is. Or he could have used prophecies. What does it say in Genesis chapter 3? I will put enmity between you. He will bruise my heel, but I will crush his head. This is a, a prophetic statement of what Jesus is coming to do. Or about uh, a virgin birth. Or how Jesus will come from Bethlehem. Or how how his side will be pierced and his hands will be pierced. I think it would have been a great sermon, a great time of teaching how Jesus explains how all of the Old Testament is fulfilled in him. And Jesus says he will send his Holy Spirit, the Comforter, 
Jesus has gone away, but the Holy Spirit is there. Our advocate, one who goes on our behalf. I don't know if you've ever been in court. I have not. Uh, I haven't. I had to think about that for a moment. Uh, But when you go to court, you have somebody who goes on your behalf, an advocate, who pleads your case. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. They're not separate entities. They're not separate beings which are are not connected to each other. But the Holy Spirit leads us back to Christ, to the truth. And so Jesus promises that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The next promise that Jesus gives them, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. His disciples were sent out to be witnesses to what? To Jesus. Not about themselves. Not about whatever they want to talk about. But to Jesus. To the things that Jesus has done. And they're sent from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. That's the shape of the book of Acts. If Father Joe has not said that already, the shape of the book of Acts is in that pattern. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the pattern of the gospel going out from one place to another. Has the gospel reached the ends of the earth? I don't know. But every time we read the word of God, every time we preach the word of God, the gospel is going out to the ends of the earth. And Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. As Christians, we are given a task to witness to Christ. There is... Zero unemployment in the church. Although the world has a lot of unemployment, the church has zero unemployment. We all have a job. We are to be witnesses. And we can witness in different ways, in word, in deed, through our actions, through our speech, through our lives. But I think Jesus takes us a little further. Again, witnessing is not just witnessing about ourselves, but witnessing about Christ. So eventually, we have to talk about Jesus. You are to be my witnesses. And the disciples will go out and heal the sick, raise the dead. They will die forgiving the people who killed him. Stephen does this, our first martyr. And martyrs since then have been doing the same thing, including the the Egyptian martyrs in Libya, and the Ethiopian martyrs as well. Now, what does it mean to witness for Christ? This is where we get into the Gospel of Matthew. Although Matthew does not specifically talk about the ascension, there is a farewell speech that Jesus gives before he leaves. And it says in Matthew chapter 28, going therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all what I have commanded you. We are told to go out, to preach, to baptize, to teach. This is how we are witnesses to Christ. 
Now the last promise that we have this morning is that the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So our first promise is that Jesus will send us the Holy Spirit. Second promise, that we will be witnesses. We have a job to do, to witness about what Christ has done. Our third promise this morning is that Jesus will come back. Jesus will come back in the same way. He will come down in the clouds. I don't know if it's an actual cloud or just the presence of God, but Jesus will return. He will come back. And that is good news for us this morning. The ascension, as you see, is all about hope. The hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Sending the Holy Spirit. We become witnesses. Jesus coming back. This is about hope. Now, what is Jesus doing at the moment? He's, he's up in heaven somewhere, right? What is Jesus doing? Interceding on our behalf. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's interceding on our behalf. It's like Vinny and Marie right here. Marie can just turn to Vinny and, and talk into his, his ear and, and share little secrets and say, uh, did you see that? Can you pray for this? Can you do this? And they have a, a sweet spirit to each other. And they're, they're loving each other. And they're just sharing with each other. In many ways, that's, that's a great image of Jesus and the Father. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, hey, hey, Dad, did you see that? Hey, Dad, this person needs prayer. Hey, Dad, can, can you look after these people who are crying today? Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He's not doing nothing up in heaven. Even Jesus has a job to do. He's interceding on our behalf. And so remember this morning, prayer and intercessions are very important. We can intercede on behalf of others, but it's so much more powerful when Jesus is interceding. When we say, Jesus, remember this person. Jesus, remember this. So Jesus is interceding for us. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Again, Isaiah saw this image of the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. Jesus has power and dominion and authority and everything in heaven and on earth is subject to him. Jesus has control over things. And finally, Jesus is preparing a place for us. I think Jesus is very busy. He's interceding on our behalf. He's judging and ruling over the world. And he goes ahead of us to prepare a place for us. I don't know what my heavenly mansion is going to look like, but Jesus is preparing it. And Jesus is preparing yours. Jesus is busy working on our behalf. It says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is returning to take us home to his Father. So what difference does all of this make this morning? Why did I share about the ascension, about the promises that we are given, and what Jesus is doing? 
Well, because it's one of the greatest themes in the New Testament. It's one of the greatest themes in the Bible of what is going to happen. How we see Jesus seated on the throne, high and exalted. It's important for us as individuals. It's important for us as a church. We say it in our creeds every week. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Sometimes we just say these words, but not actually think about what they mean and the implications of what they mean. We don't stand around like the disciples initially did, saying, where did he go? The angels had to come down and say, he's not here, he has risen. We have a job to do, to go out into the world. One of the joys that I had in working in a predominantly Muslim world for the last seven years is knowing that wherever I go, Christ goes with me. And whatever room I enter, Christ goes with me. And whoever I meet, Christ goes with me. And so when I would meet uh, at Al-Azhar University with the Grand Imam or the Grand Mufti, uh, Islamic leaders, Christ is right there. And while I, I may think in my mind they have earthly temporal power, but I know Christ is the one who actually has all the power in the world. Christ is seated on the throne. He's the judge, not me. Sometimes I look around and say, well, he shouldn't have done that and she shouldn't have done this. Uh, and then I have to think for a moment and say, well, you know, I'm not the judge. Christ is the judge. The cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and Pentecost is about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. The whole Bible is a rescue story. It's about the hope that we have in God. It's about hope in living with him here and now and living with him in the age to come. I want to conclude just with one final point. In a few minutes, we will come to this table and celebrate what we call the Great Thanksgiving, the Eucharist. And we remember all what Jesus has done and we look forward to one day joining him fully. And we say these key words that are very important. Lift up our hearts. We give thanks to the Lord our God. We lift up our hearts where? Into heavenly places. Where Jesus is seated on the throne. It's a reminder every week that Christ is in control. That we need to look at things from a different perspective. A kingdom perspective. A perspective of how Jesus looks at things. Not how the world seems. Not about all of our troubles which weigh us down and burden us. But when we see things from a different perspective, it gives us hope. And we get to do that every week. Remember the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Bring our hearts into those heavenly places. And we celebrate the great thanksgiving. Because there's nothing better. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve the gifts that Christ gives us through his Holy Spirit. But he gives them to us. So it is the great thanksgiving for what he has done for us. The ascension gives us hope. So now if somebody asks you, what does the ascension mean?
I hope that you can give even a simple answer. It's all about hope. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son into the world to redeem us, to live, to die, to rise again, and to ascend into heaven, and to send the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that we become witnesses, not unto ourselves, but witnesses of you, of sharing your good news. Lord, we pray that you would equip us with your Holy Spirit. And as we celebrate Pentecost next week, fill us with your Holy Spirit for the work that you have given us to do. That we are to be your witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, to Hudson and to beyond. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we may ascend into heaven, that you are preparing a place for us. And one day you will come to take us there. Lord, we thank you that you will judge the living and the dead, and your kingdom will never end. Help us now in this in-between time. Help us now as we try to live out being disciples. Bless us this day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.